Hey friend, thanks for stopping by. Pull up the chair and have a seat. You know me, I've got some good Tennessee white pine burning here in the chimney, but we better enjoy it fast because it's hard to believe, but winter solstice has already come and gone. And summer solstice is around the corner coming up June 20th, 2021. But listen, hey, chill out. I'm going to run inside and get us a couple of cups of joe. I'll be right back. Hey, you're listening to Guat Rocks, God, the World, and Other Things. I'm Kenny Price, your host. Our mission, advancing equilibrium in the midst of an agitated world. Today's podcast, North, Finding Our Way Home. I have owned four off-road motorcycles, three of which were Honda ATCs, which stands for all-terrain cycles, also called three-wheelers, and the original four-wheeler, the Suzuki Quadrunner. The first of the four cycles was the original balloon tire ATC imported by Honda in 1970, and it was a dangerous disaster waiting to happen. It was 10 years old when I bought it. After a short-term ownership of the death trap, I sold it and bought the Suzuki Quadrunner 125 the first year it came out. It was the first four-wheel off-road motorcycle on the market when it was introduced in 1982. It was a pull-start motor, one rear drum brake, and no suspension. All the bump handling was expected to be absorbed by the oversized low-pressure tires. The motor ran like whipped cream. The bike was well-made but grossly underpowered at just 125 cc's, the equivalent of a 12-horsepower lawn tractor. It had a lot of torque but no power, so hill climbing resulted in a total loss of power at the crest, though slowly fighting to move forward only to result in the motorcycle flipping over on you even though you would be leaning over the handlebars with your full body extended, trying to keep the front end in contact with the soil. In the end, it always resulted in a bad Looney Tunes Wiley Coyote moment, where you would look dumbfounded before the flip backward down the hill. I did not keep that bike long either. My brother-in-law, my first riding buddy, nicknamed me the Flipster after owning these two highly underpowered dangerous bikes. Then, Honda came out with the 200S in 1984 with front suspension and a 200cc engine. I sold the Suzuki immediately and bought the 200S. I convinced my best friend at the time to also buy a 200S. The much high-powered motor and front suspension made off-road riding a blast. Part of the riding adventure was to find new places to ride. Living in the heart of the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex provided a challenge to find legal off-road riding. There was a place called Marshall Creek Park on the west end of Grapevine Lake, and a trail that followed the railroad tracks from Highway 360 to Rock Island Road in Irving, and the southern tip of the Dallas-Fort Worth International Airport. Yes, it was a different day to where we actually rode our off-road vehicles on Dallas-Fort Worth International property. Today, that would absolutely not happen. We discovered the amazing Harris Ranch Red River Motorcycle Trails near Munster, Texas, up on the Red River bordering Oklahoma. We made the 100-mile drive twice and camped out overnight, we found out that Temple Industries, now Temple Inland, was a major owner of pine forests in East Texas near the 90-acre ranch of my wife's aunt. Temple Industries would allow people free access to ride off-road vehicles on their land and camp overnight. We arranged for my wife to visit with her aunt while my friend and I went off-roading in the piney woods. When we got to the Temple Industries land, we were super excited to see the endless pine forest and the sandy loam roads. There were a lot of people out on that Saturday enjoying the cool weather in the beautiful piney woods. We unloaded quickly and took off racing down the sandy roads. 
It was so smooth that we were immersed in the ride, simply happy to be out there. The woods were clear of undergrowth, which means you could just take off driving through the tall trees, which we did, chasing each other through the soft needle floor of the beautiful pine forest. The best way to describe how I felt that day is what a dog must feel like when they dart out the door past their owner and take off running with nowhere particular in mind. They're just running. We rode and we rode. We eventually ended up on another sandy road. By that time, it was dusk. We stopped our bikes to get our bearings. When we stopped, I checked my gas level. I was almost empty. Then I began to panic. I was almost out of gas. We had been riding for hours. It was almost dark and we had no clue where we were. We began to talk about our options. Keep in mind, this was way before cell phones. About that time, a guy came riding down the road toward us. We flagged him down and asked him where the road we were on was headed. He said the nearest town was about five miles on down the road. We didn't know if we had enough gas left to get to town, plus we did not know where my truck was parked. We were doubly lost. Then my friend said, hey, I have a compass. I replied, you have a compass? He said, yes. I said, where do you have a compass? He said, here in my bag. I was shocked that he had a compass. He was not the outdoor type. He pulled the compass out of the bag and handed it to me. It was a toy compass. I asked him where he got it. He said, Cracker Jacks. You may not know what Cracker Jacks is. To quote the Cracker Jacks jingle, it is a candy-coated popcorn, peanuts, and a prize. That's what you get in a box of Cracker Jacks. Jingles work, my friend. I haven't heard that song in decades, and I can still hear it in my head to this day. The whole selling point to a kid for Cracker Jacks was the prize, which was always at the bottom. So once you wised up to the situation, the first thing you did when you got your box of Cracker Jacks was get a bowl, dump the popcorn, and get the prize. My friend got a compass. I said, I don't think that this is going to work. It's a toy. He said, I think it responds to north and moved around with a compass. The tip kept pointing in one direction. I said, well, I guess it works, but what good is it going to do us? He said, it points to north. But I said, a compass is only good if you have a map and you use the compass with the map. It was getting late and time was pressing in on us. So we made the risky decision to start driving north as we knew it, defined by a Cracker Jack's toy compass. Regardless of where we were on the map, we did at least know that where we started from was south of the main highway. We took off back through the woods straight north. This part is hard to believe, but it is the truth. It is still hard for me to believe. For all the driving we had done in the woods, we must have ridden in circles. In a short period of time, we came to a road, recognized some vehicles that were parked, and found my truck. Of course, there are a lot of life applications here that are obvious. Know where you are before you launch out on an adventure. Have a map of the area and a compass to find your way home. Pay attention to how much fuel you start with and the limit it can take you. But the main lifesaver that day was a tiny toy Cracker Jack compass that really did work as cheap as it seemed. You and I are on a real adventure called life. At this point in our history on the globe, the ride is getting rough and tumble, the sun is setting low, and it's about time to head home. Have you stopped lately to assess how your journey's going? Do you know where home is? Can you find north? Do you have a compass and a map? Friend, not every road leads home. Proverbs chapter 14 verse 12 says, There is a way that seems right to a person, but its end is the way to death. God has gone out of his way to get you and I safely home if we will take advantage of all the help he offers. Jesus clearly states in John 14, 6 that he is the only road that leads to heaven, the eternal home God intended for you and I to have. 
In the Daily Devotional Guide, our Daily Bread article, The Compass and the Map, it reminds us, when we come to Jesus and receive the Holy Spirit, our inner compasses are restored to working order. The challenge, though, is to make sure we are using our spiritual compasses. Also, because we live in a poisoned environment of worldliness and evil, our compasses need maintaining and regular calibration. Many Christians do neither. They neither ensure they are traveling in the right direction, nor do they ensure that their spiritual compasses are accurate and in good working order. You can check out the full devotion in the show notes. At the beginning of this new year, these are some great things upon which to reflect. And with that, my friend, I bid you peace.